1: What's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Thursday, June first, twenty twenty three. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adio a Jr. Joining me is the Lacroix Poppy, aka the second best baby blues in San Francisco, aka Tim Ma Bugging Gettys.
0: Bless, an episode of Kind of Feudy, a show that we do over on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to put up an episode for free for everybody to give them a little tease of what they might L- be A missing. little taste. Uh, so you can go to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny right now to watch that episode. It was a food-based episode mm-hmm. of what is essentially Family Feudy but hosted by Bless yes. and with a little Kind of Funny turns, twist. Uh, it
1: turns out, Tim, it. the actual show is called Family Feud.
0: Sorry. A lot of people don't know that because yes. <laughs> Kind of feudy's pop. There we popular. There we go. There we go. Uh, so um, we did this episode. We put it up. And um, the amount of responses, tweets, comments, everything I've gotten, just talking about carrots not being on the list, hell yeah, is um, it's awakening. Hell yeah, you know. And it's it's funny to me how many people say that like I'm crazy for having that answer. No, you're you're definitely not crazy for having that answer. I'm like I know. I'm like no, I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. I'm, re- I'm with everyone you. else bless
1: i'm with you it's, it's not me that are wrong it's the kids the kids are wrong you
0: got to check it out though it is an amazing episode that uh you know could have ended better i'm gonna be honest but yes, don't spoil it know. for the
1: kids let the kids go out there watching themselves it's a fantastic episode one of the best episodes of kind of feudy that of course you can get on patreon.com slash kind of funny with a bunch of other uh like i was gonna say unique content i guess it is all unique content but mm-hmm. exclusive content exclusive patreon content uh like the next gen podcast like the shit list and more so go check that out mm-hmm. tim how are you doing this morning i'm doing real good yeah Blessed. good to be back at this desk with you mean
0: you have had kind of a wild adventure the last couple days yeah. going to the spider verse premiere looking fly as fuck Dude. uh partying with chris anka
1: what a great time
0: and then we went to a baseball game yesterday yeah i'm just a little sunburned you know i'm tired <laughs> yeah i'm definitely tired i'm definitely so exhausted tired.
1: because because of the way it worked out we had scheduled the baseball game and then later on i get a I, you hit me up and you're like hey We've been invited. And I'm like, where? <laughs> like To the Spider-Verse premiere. And then, like, you were, you started laying out the schedule. And the more and more I looked at the schedule, the more and more I was like, oh, oh. no, no. Okay, here we go. We got to go there. We got to fly back the next morning and land and immediately go to a baseball game while probably hungover. Mm-hmm. And then drink more at that baseball mm-hmm. game. And then probably go to a bar after that baseball game and then drink some more. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Alive and well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a fun time, Tim. Yes. You know what else is a fun time? What? Talking about video game That's news for you. So let's talk about today's stories, which include the story behind Redfall, uh, new Spider-Man 2 details, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live, right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to Kind of You're Wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show head to kind slash kfgd to write in with your questions squad ups and more and remember patreon.com slash kind of funny will get you the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content housekeeping for you the new kind of funny store, or the new kind dot of slash store, is up and live. Our first drop is live through this weekend. Make sure to grab it before it's gone. Right now, if you're a video watcher, Barrett has the page pulled up for you. And the merch is merching. Oh, it's, it's merching
0: hard, man. Joey crushed it on this, working with uh, Nick at Campfire Designs. Uh, gonna continue to work with them, um, and it's gonna be really cool. So, kindoffunny dot com slash stores. Where you're gonna want to be all the time now. Whole bunch of drops coming, but yeah, this limited edition merch drop is out now.
1: Of course, we got the Camp KF T shirt, we got the KF enamel mug, Uh, we got the floral T shirt, the floral swim trunks, we got the summer theme going uh, with it. But the thing I like the most are the slides. I got the slides at home right now, and Michael, I see, I see my roommate Michael like walk by them and go, "Oh man." Yo, let me get a pair, though. Let me get a pair. And I'm like, listen, Mama man, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to tell you. I don't got the hookup like that. <laughs> I do have the hookup, but, you know, I like gatekeeping. But, yeah, kindoffunny.com slash store if you want to check that out. And then, like Tim said, there's a new episode of Kind of Feudy. There's a free episode mm-hmm. of Kind of Feudy up over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny. And I can't stress this enough. It's a must-watch episode. It's available because the episode was too good not to re- release to the world. Uh, but also, every Kind of Feudy episode is filled with simil- a similar level of shenanigans. Uh, so if you like the episode, go over to Patreon for every Kind of Feudy episode, plus all of our other Patreon content. And then, I remember on YouTube and the live stream, there's going to be a 30-minute post show where Andy comes in to talk to us about your YouTube Super Chat questions, so stay tuned for that. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Casey Andrew, Delaney Twining, and James Hastings. Today we're brought to you by BetterHelp, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be the Oprah report it's time for some news we have seven stories today A dozen. it's fun because i haven't been on this show since last thursday it's been a full week oh wow KFG. yeah welcome I, back bless. it's been a while since I, i've had a full week off of this show um and it's nice that because we're getting so close to summer game fest and just because video games are popping right now there's every day there's always so much to talk good about. stuff to talk
0: about it's one of those things where seven stories but it's like yeah. how many of those stories are going to be
1: the majority of the show oh yeah oh oh yeah oh yeah and honestly today not a lot of great stories mm, a lot of bad a lot mm, of sad stories today great. but there is some good sprinkled in there let's start off with story number one jason schreier has the inside scoop on redfall this comes from tom ivan over at video games chronicle i'm pulling from tom ivan because the jason schreier write-up is too lengthy to read on this show and so go over to bloomberg check out the full story if you want the full write-up by jason but tom ivan has the condensed version for us a new report claims to shed light on the circumstances that resulted in Redfall's disappointing release last month. According to a new Bloomberg report, the game's development was hampered by a lack of clear direction, a high turnover of staff, and insignificant resources for what was billed as a AAA game. The report, which is based on the accounts of over a dozen anonymous sources who worked on the title, said the project started development in 2018 after being pitched to staff as a multiplayer arcane game. Some members reportedly found the pitch confusing and felt unsure that the, that the sort of gameplay Arcane was known for would translate well to a co-op setting. The game reportedly suffered because its development team was continually understaffed, with Arkane's Ar- Arcane's Austin office employing fewer than 100 people and insufficient outsourcing support uh, offered by Bethesda. Many experienced developers who weren't interested in making a multiplayer game reportedly left the studio with almost three-quarters of the Austin staff who had worked on 2017's Prey said to have departed Arcane by the time Redfall was finished. Arcane is said to have experienced difficulties filling vacancies with lower-than-average salaries, its Texas location, and the desire of prospective employees to work on single-player immersive sims viewed as, as contributing factors. When development of the game started, Bethesda's then-parent company, ZeniMax, was reportedly pushing its studios to develop live-service titles. And according to Bloomberg, Redfall had a significant microtransaction plan in place for three years before it was scrapped in 2021. That same year, Microsoft acquired ZeniMax in a $7.5 billion deal, and some Arcane staff reportedly hoped that the Xbox maker might cancel Redfall or reboot it as a single-player game. However, Microsoft took something of a hands-off approach uh, to Bethesda's game development studios, as Xbox boss Phil Spencer acknowledged in a recent Kinda Funny Games interview. Oh, man. A lot to dig in here.
0: So much to dig into. I I think, like, the biggest starting point for me would be kind of looking at just the state of the industry the last couple of years whether it was COVID, whether it was all the acquisitions happening um and then also just the factor of xbox continuing to try to get everything lined up to be released and we've seen them uh, acquire more and more teams uh, foster more and more teams that they've had for a long time and kind of like decide what the vision is and the the track forward for them to be and to get wins along the the way but to really have that that here's our uh, coming out party with the the Xbox series of consoles um, to, waiting for that big moment, right? And you see the showcases, the 12 months, here's all the games coming and all of that. When you combine all of those factors, it creates, I think, it, and, and then you the biggest acquisition being the, the Blizzard one mm-hmm. that having to fight all the legal battles, you can only do so much. And so when the leadership top down is looking at having to answer all of those questions and do all of those jobs, something's going to give. And it is, becoming more and more clear that the thing that's giving is the very foundation of all of this. And when we are also seeing an industry that is being so changed by outside factors and trends where we've forever seen the trends kind of come and trends are going to happen and change the way that games are made and what games are made and how they're monetized and all of that. But this shift right here to like, Hey, All of these different game companies that are making single-player games, known for single-player games, are now making multiplayer games. And more and more we're hearing that they didn't want to do it, (laughs) that it wasn't working, and then we see the results of them coming out, and it doesn't work. Where's the problem there? (laughs) It Mm -hmm. feels like there's a million problems. Like it's it feels like there's not one source of the the issue. But the biggest thing is there's no organization. There's no and there's not there's not time for that organization to actually happen because the people that are organizing are being pulled in ten fucking different directions.
1: It's the I think it's the it's the money hungry nature of it where it's go go go. Oh snap! You look at the landscape and how much money you see a Fortnite making or a League of Legends making or any of these other games, the service games making, and you go, how do we make that money? oh, these are games of service games that are lasting over long periods of time. All right, enough with this single-player bullshit that we're doing, let's transition, right? And it's interesting seeing the story here as as it's laid out because it makes a lot of sense when you look at the timeline of of Bethesda, right? Around this time, that was the same Bethesda that put out Fallout 76. It was the same Bethesda that put out um, Wolfenstein Youngblood, right? And both those games were trash fires for their own different reasons, but it comes down to these are developers that aren't built for that type of game. These are developers that don't seemingly even want to make that kind of game. And of course, that's us projecting a little bit. But that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here, especially specifically with Arcane, right? Like, these are games that these developers aren't suited for. And... when you force these developers to make these kinds of games, I think that's where you're going to get into problems where it is, all right, we don't have the resources for this, or we don't have the passion for this, or we don't have the right ideas in order to translate this thing that is built for single player. In the case of something like fallout, fallout is in the the case of something like Avengers, this would make so much sense as a a catered um, developed single player thing. But we're shoehorning multiplayer into this. We're shoehorning live service elements into this in a way that, just doesn't make sense right like over it to, to go back to the i i to the conversation of you know it's been a week since being on khd i so sad that i was able to be on khd a couple days ago when we were talking about the whole um was it also jason schreier that did the naughty dog thing the the whole um expose there talking about what's going on with the multiplayer project over at uh, over at um at naughty dog and with that like i there's so much to talk about with that. There's so much to talk about, talk about with PlayStation and multiplayer stuff. I wrote a whole Blessing Show script about it. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I sat down during the weekend and I was like, let me get all these thoughts out. And whether or not that episode comes out, we'll see. I want that episode to come out. But like, there's so much to break down, but I think a lot of it just comes down to, hey, slow down. Like I, there, there are live service games out there that are awesome. right? I think there's a knee-jerk reaction from the audience, especially the audience that is into the single-player stuff that is, oh, man, fuck out of here with this live service bullshit. Like We don't want to play these things. There's a fan base for Destiny. There's a big fan base for League. There's a big fan base for any of these multiplayer games I can name. But you can't force that fan base, right? You actually got to create something that is quality. You actually got to create something that takes time to develop and build and make it natural. When you're taking these single-player IPs and you're just going – or single-player studios and going – Hey, make it multiplayer. It doesn't work, and we're seeing that time and time and again. And it's it sucks to see that happen to Arcane, which is a very talented studio. And it especially sucks when you see that three quarters of the of the Austin staff who worked on Prey is gone. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. <laughs> like Prey is such a good game, and you should like you shouldn't have that kind of attrition when it comes to a studio that is that talented, right? Yeah. When it comes from a studio that is making Dishonored and Deathloop and Prey and all these things, you shouldn't risk that workforce because. You want to chase after the money for a thing that ultimately is going to come out and flop in the case of Redfall.
0: And, you know, we've been kind of like theorizing about this for a long time, but the more and more these reports come out, and of course, there's always going to be different perspectives. I'm sure there are people that are working on these games that want to do them, but there are clearly a ton of people that don't. And I mm-hmm. feel like we've had the same conversation with um, Rocksteady as well uh, and yeah. going back with Crystal, with uh, with Avengers and all that, where it's like, I wonder how many members of Rocksteady that worked on the Arkham Knight, like I guess Arkham Knight, and then... Are working Rather, on this, yeah, or are, are, are they still here? Are they going to still be here? Would they still be here? There's a lot of ifs there and questions, but like I'm willing to bet that a lot of people that would have stayed on are no longer going to stay on for some of these, um, multiple examples across different teams. Some of almost every single team we're mentioning here are like stewards of the first party or, or, of first, um. Single so single player games, yeah. right? Like they are what we, we think about as like the top tier. And it's like, we're talking about, now it's Naughty Talk. We're literally talking about the top, top tier of this. And we're all looking at this where there's so many people are excited, excited for factions. But after you hear this news, I don't know how it's possible to be like extremely excited yeah. for factions or whatever it ends up being.
1: That's the thing is, you know, I went from over the moon to being like, oh God, no, not like this. After reading that Jason Trier report, because I'm somebody who, I was looking forward to factions, right? I'm somebody who played so much of the factions mode in the 2013, last of us game. And I thought that was phenomenal. I'm somebody who played the hell, hell out of Ghost of Shima Legends and fucking loved it. I thought that was phenomenal. And especially coming out out of that, my big, my big want and desire for that would to, to have that spin off into its own game. Like, this is so good. Make it a full experience after seeing after reading through jason's report after seeing that last playstation showcase i'm like oh man maybe maybe not like let's maybe refocus and go what are how how can we utilize these studios in the best way possible for them right and i think some of that might be multiplayer some of that might be figuring out the different things you can do there but when i read through the slide we talked the slides we talked about last week right where playstation put out this whole business business presentation and they gave us the percentages of 60% 60% of our um, devotion is going into uh, developing live service games, right? That's a, scary, that's a scary number. Big number. It's a big number. And it's especially scary slash big when you put it up against uh, the, the graph that was next to it, which is showing the growth of revenue made by live service, right? You look at those graphs and you look at, you look at it with money signs in your eyes and you go, oh, this is what the industry is. Let's chase after this. But what you're not reading into is the story behind those numbers. The thing there, though, like
0: the just counterpoint to that, though, mm-hmm. that's the type of investment you need to get it right. Like, that's what I'm talking about when, when it comes to the, the Xbox side of things with Redfall, where it's like, you need to invest in this if this is going to be the plan. For sure. And I do think that where PlayStation's at right now, with Bungie um, being kind of their, their key support system and one of the teams out there that has got this right and understands it to an extent in one certain lane um i feel like that gives them a slight leg up there but the the proof still needs to be in the pudding like playstation became what it is playstation studios became what it is because they put out the amount of high quality games at the clip that they did over the the right generation Mm -hmm. we need to see that again for this for live service games for multiplayer games for whatever this looks like and we haven't seen that yet i do think it's interesting you bring up the ghost of tsushima legends which Mm -hmm. is by all accounts a step in that direction right oh yeah like do you think that because we're here talking about us ass- all of us assuming that these teams don't want to be for the most part working on these games mm-hmm. do we assume that sucker punch wanted to work on ghost of tsushima legends
1: that's a really good question i would i would think so yeah because like and i i mean yeah i would think so right because that mo- that mode was one excellent right but also it was just a mode and it was a mode that was not monetized heavily at all. Like I don't think there was any monetization now I think about it yeah in Ghost Stream of Chima Legends. Like that was a free mode that you could play and and play over the course of weeks and it had an end date too. I think that's the thing that made it very viable for them is that mode came out and then eventually they put out the raid and went, all right, cool. And then the uh, later on it came out again for PS5 with the director's cut. They had a little bit more content and then went, Cool, we're done. Like it's it's a one and done thing. This isn't a, a quote unquote live service thing. It's just a single player game that happens to have a multiplayer mode. And they did it in sort of an old school way, but in a way that also feels like a step forward because it wasn't this has to be out by launch. It was let's put out ghosts, let's work on this thing that we had been working on. Cool, it's done. Let's release it along- alongside it. And it was good. And it was quality and it didn't like it, it didn't have bugs. It wasn't like a, a weird redfall situation. Like it worked and it was really fun. i would think that, yeah, people over there wanted to work on it. And I wouldn't be surprised if people over there also want to make a Ghost Stream of Legends. Too that could be a standalone thing because I think, the, I think that is what ambition is, yeah. that you want to see these things that you work on grow and become their own like, hey, this is, this is standalone because this is now its own game. You want that to happen. I think the big thing is making sure it happens naturally. And, I, and the big thing, too, is that, you know, that, might, that probably isn't copy and paste for every studio or every place. It's they not, and it can't
0: be, yeah. right? I, I think that's like the, the biggest thing here is like, you know, we can sit here and be like, oh, we don't want this. We don't want this. We don't want this. But they want money. So there needs to be an answer for how they get the money. And what's interesting is as we look at these single-player games, they're only getting more and more expensive. They're also selling higher and higher uh, rates of copies, right? So when the more big hits PlayStation has, it's like they are making a ton of money by selling these $70 titles, and especially at the scale that they're selling God of War or Last of Us or Horizon or any of the Spider-Man. All of the list goes on, right? But those games are getting bigger and bigger. You can't put them out every three months, as much as we all want that to be the case, right? uh if they could they would you know so i feel like there has to be an answer of, then how do they monetize post-launch how do they continue to make money from these giant megaton tent poles that they have and i feel like with legends that was kind of a uh attempt at like oh how yeah. can we get more out of this That you're right it is a little bit more traditional it it's, reminds me more of old school dlc but i do mm-hmm. think that the multiplayer element there feels like a test bed for yeah for something like that further. Th-
1: playing that mode that mode feels like it could have been a live service easily Right? Like they had the missions, they had the cosmetic stuff that you're that you're unlocking. They had a leveling system. They had a gear system even. Like they had all of those things in there. All they would really have to do was turn on <laughs> some monetization and continue to make content for it. And they could have gone that route. And I don't think that would have been successful for the way they had it, because it was part of the single-player game and how many people were really actually playing Shima Legends. Like it was me and then five other people, I feel mm-hmm. like. It was me and Andrew Gofar playing it. Um, but I could see a future in which they Put out a revamped version or a the expanded version of that of that and they then go about it that way but even when you do that the ask then is support like how are we going to be able to stick with this for three years four years five years ten years right in the case of something like destiny are we able to stick with it do we have the resources and time and energy even the best the even the studios that are best suited to make live servers games struggle with the content side of it Apex has had plenty of seasons where people were disappointed with the content output and the monetization, and stuff. And they're at the top of the game. And they're at the top of the game. Halo Infinite, that was its biggest issue, is the fact that it was just lacking in content. And that's Microsoft. That's 343. And that is Halo flagship built franchise. The flagship built to be a free-to-play live service thing, and they couldn't keep up with it. I don't. I. It's a big ask for anybody, right? Even the best studios, even a Naughty Dog, even a Ghost, even um, a uh, uh, Sucker Punch Studios. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the future of that looks like. And I, and that comes back to the Jason Schreier report of Naughty Dog and Bungie doing the evaluations and why you want Bungie in the room doing that, right? You want Bungie to go, no, <laughs> like, you guys are doing this wrong. Like, we've been through this. You guys aren't going to be able to support this or you guys aren't going to be able to p- keep people in for, for more than a month or two, right? You want Bungie there to go, this is going to be Redfall if you put it out like this or this is going to be Halo Infinite if you put this out. Uh, and so there there are... I think good steps being made to make sure that a PlayStation doesn't fall into that. But even then, right, money is the thing that talks. And money is the thing that I think talked here with um, uh, Bethesda and Arcane. And it sucks that by the time it, they were acquired by Microsoft, they weren't able to just go, hey, let's can this. Like, this isn't working. Or let's help you out, help you out more here. Lucid Dream writes in the kind of slash KFGD just like you can. He even says this. Jason Schreier's report makes me question why Redfall was released at all. These companies need to remember that potential short-term gains will not offset future losses stemming from long-term goodwill and reputational damage, particularly at such a crucial point in Microsoft's roadmap for the current Xbox generation, right? Not a question, but some input in the comment. And again, I think it comes down to the fact that it's money. You put in all this investment into making Redfall You're gonna make something off of it, right? Even if it's pennies, Mm -hmm. you're gonna put it out. And I know. Especially with Game Pass. Especially with Game Pass, right? If it's another piece of content that you can add to it and go, hey, this is the thing this month for you to subscribe or keep subscribed, it holds value there. And it sucks that that is the world that we're in. It sucks that, like, yeah, like the capitalism dictates that, hey, actually it's smarter to put Redfall out as a bad video game as opposed to just canceling it or pulling it. But. that that is the the reality that we live in and also like the on the opposite side you could have delayed it right you could have delayed it forever but it comes back to the conversation of does that even fix redfall and it costs more money and it costs more money doesn't just like make things better yeah not everybody has the luxury of a delay especially when it's redfall Mm -hmm. like if you're microsoft and you're arcane and you both know that redfall is bad and you go what if we delayed it another year knowing that it's still going to be bad no, you're not gonna invest millions of more dollars of money to pay people and have have development resources go into that. Like you're gonna can it or you're gonna release it and it sucks.
0: Yeah. It I don't know that we're gonna see an end to this anytime soon either. Like I think that this again, it goes back to this works. We know that it works. They know that it works and it makes money. Mm-hmm. We need to see the people invest in the right ways. And I think support studios is such a big answer there, where the answer is clearly not taking the studios that do one thing well. And trying to get them to do something else. Mm-hmm. Unless they want to do that. That's a totally different story. But that's not sure. what we're talking about here on the handful of examples we went through this show.
1: Story number two. Some good news. We have answers on how Spider-Man 2's character switching works. This is Victoria yeah. Kennedy at Eurogamer. Last week Insomniac Games showed off Spider-Man 2's seamless transitions from Peter Parker and fellow web slinger Miles Morales. These moments in the sequel's gameplay reveal uh, were impressive, invoking memories of similar fluidity from Insomniac's fellow PS5-exclusive Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. But I still had questions. Can we only switch characters at certain story points, or will will we be able to switch between them freely? It turns out the answer is a little bit of both. Quote, When you're playing the main story, we control when you switch between Pete and Miles. It's done in service to the story when we're making those switches, for sure. Spider-Man 2's creative director, Brian Intahar, told Eurogamer in an exclusive interview. Quote, So, as we saw in that gameplay reveal, which was a segment of the main story, we are predetermining those based on what we want to do for how the story plays out. End quote. When you're in Spider-Man 2's New York open world, however, it's different. Quote, We have content designed around Peter, we have content designed around Miles, and we have content where you can play either. And shared. He continued, You'll be able to, in the open world, freely switch between them with a simple button press. This is thanks to the power of the PlayStation 5. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, He continues, being able to switch in the open world so quickly between the two characters is really, really awesome. Just being able to pick and choose who I want to play as for a certain activity. It's been so awesome awesome to have that feature. It's something we probably uh, wouldn't have explored previously. And the, uh, and that's end quote. Additionally, this character switching will all tie in with Spider-Man 2's three skill trees, one for Peter, one for Miles, and one that is shared. Quote, We want to make sure that when you do switch between the heroes, there's a sense of familiarity. They're both Spider-Man. <laughs> you, they're both Spider-Man. Uh, you know how to play the game, but you still have that flexibility and that customization for upgrading each of them with their skill trees. Uh, Spider-Man 2's game director, Ryan Smith, elaborated. Quote, we saw in the gameplay reveal where Miles has the evolved Venom powers, whereas Peter has the symbiote abilities, and so those, those change a bit of how you play, and you can upgrade those in the respective trees as well, end quote. I asked if there will be a chance to perhaps switch to other characters, such as reporter and Peter's girlfriend MJ, but I was qu- quickly told I needed to keep the focus on the last week's gameplay. Ah, well, I tried. <laughs> That's fun.
0: Yeah, dude, this sounds really cool. Uh, I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense playing, you know, all the last couple Insomniac games, whether they're Spider-Man or Ratchet and Clank. I'm really excited that this is pushing the PS5 and really kind of like being from the ground up built to have those experiences. Yeah. And but
1: is is it the power of the PS5 really? When GTA 5 did it on the PS3.
0: But it did it with loading screens and, like, super slow. Like, this is the power of the SSD. Like, legit, this is, I think, the actual, like, jokes aside, power of the PS5 at play. They're actually using the hardware that they're, um, to new extents that we haven't seen before, that we've seen recently in Ratchet & Clank. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I've always said... The riffs and stuff was still a little more pre-canned than I would have liked it to be uh, in terms of the switching. But I think that this makes a lot more sense compared to something like Grand Theft Auto that was great. I feel like that had that moment of transition for story beats and all that. Mm -hmm. This I can imagine being a bit more on-the-fly action-y, which is cool, where cool in the open world we can switch between the two of them. Can we switch between the two of them? Are there scenes where they're actually together in the open world? That'd be really cool. Because that could be... If you could have, it, like, thing.
1: a companion system where you're playing as Miles and Peter is swinging alongside you. And and switch back and together. forth on the
0: fly. Like, that yeah, could be cool. Be um, and I do like the idea of them having the three different skill trees, one of them being a shared skill tree. Like, what does that mean? Is that combo moves? Is that, like, uh, traversal, like, combos? Mm-hmm. Like, them working I, together? I, like, I would think the way other, you do like, it, no way home?
1: I, the way I would assume, and this is the boring answer, but I would think that Miles' skill tree is all the, like... Venom, like his like lightning powers, abilities, his, his exclusive stuff. And then Peter's skill tree is all symbiote stuff. And then the shared skill tree is like base Spider Man abilities. Mm. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it.
0: But yeah, it potentially could be cool though to have some more like team up you type moves, which we've already seen in the the gameplay that, the, that we saw last week a little bit. um And we were talking about the UI that we're seeing here of uh, it kind of being based on the two diamonds on the left and right bottoms of the screen, not on what we're looking at here yeah. but in later uh, combat scenarios um but knowing how Miles plays compared to Peter from 2018 to Miles Morales of uh, the kind of more techy tools that Peter has versus mm-hmm. the um more like you know venom strike based stuff that uh, that Miles has like that's super exciting you add the symbiote on top of that symbiote um i'm excited man yeah see the
1: question the question i have and the thing i wonder is what what happens like, d- does peter then have the symbiote throughout the entire game if that if there are skill tree abilities like they imply here if the if those skill tree abilities are symbiote things is it the case of hey yeah from the get-go like peter has a symbiote and even after you beat the game he still has that because if you're gonna play this game post-story you're gonna need that right or is it the case of they do a zelda breath of the wild type thing where you beat the game and it reverts to right before you beat the game because guess what at the end of the game peter dies Wow. Yeah. Zelda dies. Peter dies. Everybody dies. Everybody dies.
0: He's a dark, dark 2023.
1: Time. <laughs> the year video game characters die. I,
0: I feel like with where we're at, especially with these guys like Donnie Dogger and Insomniac and stuff, they can figure things out. We're not in the days of Raiden showing up in Metal Gear Solid and people being like, where the fuck is Snake? Yeah. Like, I think things have just kind of adapted and changed to a bit where, especially this being the third of these Spider-Man games, um, I'm down for them to shake it up a bit. I just hope that if it's shake up whether it's they take away the venom powers or like yeah no that's the thing venom, is but- it
1: could be like a um what's her name the big famous death from final fantasy 7 <laughs> spoilers for final fantasy VII, everybody uh but like it could be the thing where i remember uh, talking to people who played that game right and had that be such an impact of i put in all this time into Aerith yeah. and Aerith's fucking dead and now i don't have a healer it could be interesting to see them do the similar thing with peter to go Two thirds into the game, man, I've leveled up the skill tree. Man, I put in. I love this character as a character, right? As Peter Parker, and they take him away from you in the last third.
0: Well, I think a more likely scenario actually is Peter turns on you at some point, and yeah. you don't have to control those powers because you're fighting against him. Yeah, you know, like and I, that's there's the only way so ways about they it. Can get get around it. Yeah, um, and
1: guess what? If you don't upgrade him, if you don't level up the skill tree at all, he doesn't have those skills when you fight against him. Yeah, wow. See, it's the series cheat code. That's it. it. Don't level up Peter, everybody. I'm telling you right now kojima shit love it yeah exactly spider-man
0: though i can't wait like i can't believe that like every time i see that gameplay i'm like oh my god i watched it again in 4k and i'm just like this is this is crazy video games who look like this
1: while while we're watching uh across the spider-verse halfway through that movie and this happens with a lot of spider-man movies because a lot of them are so freaking good but like halfway through that movie i was just like man i love spider-man Spider-Man is so good. Spider-Man is the best hero, like, easily. And I just want... I want to just live and stay in the Spider-Man universe. I'll take unlimited Spider-Man movies. Give me... I'll take a Spider-Man unlimited movie. (laughs) Like... There we go. I'll I'll do this all day. So, yeah, I'm with you that I can't... I can't wait for Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that this year is sort of the... Possibly the amped up version of 2018, where we got into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man... Marvel Spider-Man 2018, right, that year. We're getting across the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2. And so far... For my personal opinion on Across the Spider-Verse, I like Across more than even Into the Spider-Verse. And I expect that I'm going to like Spider-Man 2 more than Spider-Man 1. and so More than Miles? Yeah, and more than Miles Morales, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. easy. <laughs> that's exciting, man. Let's go. Tim, mm. we're going to hop into story number three. But before we do, I want to let people out there know about Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny. Over on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny, of course, you can get a show like Kind of Feudy. One of the top shows we got here at Kind of Funny with an amazing host that prepares amazing prompts. That host is me it is you can also get shows ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors
0: this episode is brought to you by better help it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself i know this from experience how often it just seems easier to care about others and to keep it moving but when we spend all of our time giving it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burnt out Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. So you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Some of my very best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash funny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, hel slash kindoffunny. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has
1: experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
1: If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by the real cost and the FDA. And we're back with story number three. We're back to some bad news. Mm. Bobby Kotick is saying things, Tim. He did a whole interview. saying things, Bobby. Over at Variety, and let me tell you, I've never seen somebody say so many just terrible quotes back to back to back to back like this and so let's get into it i'm pulling from brendan sinclair at GamesIndustry.biz. activision blizzard ceo bobby kotick believes the company's image problems stem not from a workplace culture that spawned numerous gender discrimination lawsuits from former employees and state and federal agencies alike but from outside forces and unionization supporters in an interview with variety published today and this is From yesterday, Kotick said his biggest mistake was not being uh, more forceful in trying to defend the company, particularly when the Wall Street Journal published a detailed report of numerous incidents, including Kotick threatening to have an assistant killed, intervening to protect a senior employee accused of sexual harassment after the HR department determined that the employee should be fired, and firing a a flight attendant on a private jet he co-owned after she complained the pilot had sexually harassed her. Quote, we've had every possible form of investigation done, Kotick said. And we did not have a systemic issue with harassment ever. We didn't have any of what were mischaracterizations reported in the, in the media. But what we did have was a very aggressive labor movement working hard to try and destabilize the company, end quote. No specific allegation was mentioned as mischaracterized or false. And the Wall Street Journal provided variety with a quote saying uh, it stood by its fair and accurate reporting on Activision. Damn. <laughs> <Kotyk> Damn. <laughs> Kotick blamed outside forces for the company's image problems, saying labor organizers played a part in the state and federal gender discrimination lawsuits, as well as a number of employees employee walkouts that occurred over the past couple of years. The National Labor Relations Board has also found merit to complaints that Activision Blizzard illegally retaliated against unionizing workers and threatened to stop them from discussing wages, hours, and working conditions. As for the still pending Microsoft acquisition, Kotick explained why it was the right time to sell. Quote, I like Microsoft. I like the culture. I'm really scared about the economy. Compensation for talent has been ratcheting up in ways that are complex for us to deal with so this deal made a lot of sense <laughs> so and, quote, I don't need to deal with it Microsoft can pay these motherfuckers, I don't uh, the article doesn't explicitly address Kotick's ideas for dealing with that compensation but he separately addressed Activision Blizzard's efforts to push technology further saying, quote, playing games is such a visceral experience, we're getting to the point that the game itself is able to create its own content in real time that will be exquisite that
0: doesn't and, quote, feel like a real quote, like that feels like someone making fun of him, you know what I mean? I mean, that yeah. will be exquisite. That's like a hard sense. drive type, type oh, quote. Oh, 100%. But it's real blessed. This yeah. is the real world we're living in with that man with that much power saying that. It's it's absolutely bizarre yeah. that it's acceptable for him to even start this whole thing off talking about, I should have used more force. Like, yeah. even the the words being used are toxic and feel so problematic that I – I just can't believe it that, that this is their statement. Like that they would come out and say this. That that mm-hmm. he would get caught in 4K yet again. Say these things about those things.
1: This is your stance. It's it's wild. And I, I I understand the fact that he's a he's a billion dollar CEO. And so realistically nobody can stop him. But I wonder how bad like Activision PR were trying to be like, hey, please don't don't go in, don't do an interview, like. We gotta keep you behind the scenes. And Bobby Codex like, no, I'm a fucking Bobby bitch. I'm yeah. gonna come out and I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say fuck with exquisite this shit up. In
0: an interview, man. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna I'm drop Exquisite. It. God. But yeah, like this is all terrible shit. Of course. Like, it's it's terrible because he's coming out and refuting things based on internal investigations, right? That Activision did themselves and went <laughs> they looked inside and went, eh everything's fine and then like they dust it off their hands we're like cool we're good right meanwhile the national labor relations board and other people have done investigations that are substantiating a lot of what people have, have been um throwing out there about uh, activision blizzard him talking about ai as well like uh they didn't mention it too explicitly in the, this the gamesindustry.biz article aside from the end where <laughs> bobby codex talks about games creating own content in real uh, their own t- content in real time that feels so disgusting right talking about how ai can can do the work for us, um, and like that's me. Be, that's especially
2: after him being like, "I don't want to fucking pay these people." You're yeah. fucking terrible. Like that's the
1: thing done. is, a lot of these <laughs> quotes that he's putting out there work in tandem with each other in ways that make him even more disgusting. Going, "Oh man." you know but the pay is getting is is going up for these people i don't know i don't know how we're going to deal it it's complex meanwhile he's making billions and billions and billions of dollars it's not that hard to pay to pay your employees when you have that much money to work with but i digress him talking about that specifically and then going oh yeah an ai was going to make the content in the game it's like no that's not the way to do it that's not the way to do it it sucks
0: it dude for me when it comes to so many of these points here it's like you brought these people on you owe them something Like, that that is the the back and forth. If you didn't hire them in the first place, it'd be a completely different story. But you have these hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of employees that you are responsible for. And you need to find ways to compensate them. Like, you need to find ways to deal with the problem and not just kind of, like, put it off on others. You're the guy. You are the figurehead. You're the one being interviewed. You're the one that's able to put your words out there and have them critiqued by us and the Wall Street Journal and Variety and everybody because they're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's like, you are the one in the position of power there and being almost like passing the, uh, the everything off to, to Microsoft, like almost like using it. let like, Oh yeah, we're figuring this all out. And like, I like what they got going on. It's like, I don't know, man. Like there's too many steps that need to be taken before like that h- handshake actually makes any sense. We're yeah. not there yet. Like clearly it fundamentally, I think from the ground up, it seems like there's a misunderstanding or like a uh, misunderstanding. It's not even it. It's like, it is a, a, tunnel vision pretending you're not seeing what's going on around you bobby Kodak, you know what's going on around you you know
1: like you're also you're doing like an emotional like sympathetic appeal to a man that probably doesn't have emotion or sympathy or any of that right like he's too far gone he's too rich he's too powerful like he does not give a fuck about other human beings right And a lot and this comes back to the conversation we're having in, in story number one money talks right all this comes down to money and what money does and what power does especially when you're in a system that allows you to do whatever you want when you have that amount of money. Bobby Kotick can come out and do this interview with Variety and not worry about the backlash because, you know, we're going to make fun of him. We're going to crack jokes. The internet's going to make fun. The internet's going to crack jokes. But ultimately, he's going to sit in that high chair and, you know, be there with him and his family that probably hates him and, and you know, eat, eat lunch and not even look at the internet, right? Not even have to worry worry oh, yeah. about all of it. Like, he's literally sitting on his on his $100 bills, worth. Of, uh, his chair made out of $100 bills eating a steak that is probably like $5,000 steak. It's probably not even that good. Yeah. Because like, yeah. At, at what point is it like... We get a, it, Bless. He not He's fucking rich. He's fucking too rich.
0: Bless goes on for the next three hours describing all of the outlandish things that Bobby Kotick has
1: in his house. Got, so and, then he, a, and then he goes and he takes a shower and his dollar bill is pouring out. And not just one dollar bills, Tim. No. <laughs> five dollar bills. Whoa, yeah. whoa, five. Yeah, because a lot of them are going down the drain. You can't waste gotcha, that much gotcha. money. You he can't waste over, that much money. He was money. so
0: sick of the fives that's too common. He had to get every two dollar bill he could find, and he has like thousands of two dollar bills. And was like, "How did you find that many two dollar bills?" What he's doing so, instead yeah, of fixing really the actual rare. problems.
1: I had a two dollar bill when I was a kid. I try, I try to hold Same. on to that thing forever. You but you there keep it was in your wallet. Why would we all do that? Why yeah. do we all think? Oh yeah, I'm there was one day I wanted ice cream, and I was like, "Shoot, I only had, yeah, I only had, only had a two dollar bill." They were so happy to get that thing. Story number four. Marvel's Midnight Suns developer has been hit with layoffs. This is Jesse Russo at gamesindustry.biz. What a fucking shit day, boss. Yeah, dude. The developer of Marvel's Midnight Suns, Firaxis Games, has reduced its workforce by 30 employees. As reported by Axios, a source familiar with the matter, said that the layoffs hit the studio yesterday. A Foraxis spokesperson said the redundancies were attributed to a sharpening focus, enhancements of efficiencies, and an alignment of our talent against our highest priorities. They added, quote, the studio remains focused on developing critically acclaimed video games, end quote. Back in February, when Take-Two reported its Q3 financials, it missed its sales guidance, although Midnight Suns was the biggest release of the quarter. CEO <laughs> CEO Strauss Zelnick said in part, quote, we are seeing softness in terms of consumer demand, particularly for console products and recurrent cos- consumer uh, spending related to console products, uh, end quote. While 11 titles were singled out for helping drive the company's revenue, the superhero RPG was not mentioned. And then while we're here, I'm going to throw in story number five, which is also a story about layoffs. CD Projekt Red uh, is to lay off around 30 employees as Gwent development winds down. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. CD Projekt Red will lay off around 30 more employees by the end of 2023 as development on Gwent The Witcher card game winds down. Revealed in a blog post on Gwent's website, CD Projekt Red confirmed that about 30 remaining Gwent team members are going to part ways with the studio. This contradicts a statement from December when the developer told IGN that a small number of employees would be kept on to keep the game running while the remaining staff would be moved to other projects at CD Projekt Red. A spokesperson told IGN that four team members will be laid off in June, with CD Projekt Red gradually increasing this number throughout the year until around 30 staff had been laid off in total. It's never easy to say goodbye, the developer said in a blog post. Uh, quote, and even though decisions like this are unavoidable and a natural result of the, na- of the transition, we'd like to express our sincere thanks for all the contributions these team members have made to Gwent. Just like the community, you helped make the game what it is today. End quote. This announcement from CD Projekt Red follows two other waves of layoffs. The Molasses Flood, which is owned by CD Projekt Red, and currently develop- developing the troubled Project Serious Witcher game, saw 29 team members laid off earlier in may what's going on in the industry tim
0: i mean it's ballooning and it's just getting more and more and more at the top and then it's also getting more and more and more at the i don't want to say bottom but the smaller side of of indies and stuff where there are so many indie devs out there so many indie publishers out there at this point Mm. that the i think just the the economy of it all is unbalanced like that's where we're at right now where there's this rush to go bigger 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 and when you do that you need to maintain that Because you need to be able to continuously support making those quadruple-A projects, making the money from that. And then after you make that money, you need to do it again. And Mm -hmm. that can't stop. Because the moment that you're not getting that revenue, and that's why so many things are moving to games of service, live service, all ways to monetize over time. Because that way, it's like there's a built-in pipeline to just keep getting money. Otherwise, when they stop getting the money, somebody needs to figure out how to get money or else layoffs happen. And that's where we're at here is that yeah. these projects aren't sustainable at that scale, at that level. And con- people are continuing to, to push that, that direction. And th- that's normally a top-down order of, hey, here's where the money is. we got to chase it. Once they get that temporary high of it, um, and that high can result in millions, if not billions, of dollars. And people see that, and they're like, cool, this is the new expectation. We talk about this a lot on the game's media side of things uh, with how Elden Ring single-handedly, in a roundabout way, caused the downfall of games media in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. How many layoffs were can be directly attributed to the success of Elden Ring yeah. performing on websites, and then when Elden Ring wasn't there anymore, it's like, oh, wait, the expectations, you're still going to get Elden Ring page views, but you're not anymore. Yeah. Cool. You're laid off. You're laid off. This entire team's gone. Like, that, those are real ramifications that we saw. You can apply that to so many different angles, but specifically when it comes to these games, it's like, When there are mega, mega huge hits, all of a sudden the bar has been raised of expectations. But to get those expectations requires so much talent, time, resources, all of those things. But it also sometimes is just lightning in a bottle. It's sometimes just timing and everything working out correctly, and you can't replicate that. That's why all of these teams need consistency. They need to be able to have a consistent product that they can believe in and can sustain their team. And if they can't do that, they need to stop hiring. They need to like lower the scale of the ambition, lower the scale, like, lower the needs of, the, of what, what the monetary goals are, what the monetary necessities are before the goals start coming to play, yeah. right? Um, and that's something I think that we're just constantly seeing so many of these teams fail to do. And that, that comes from so many different places, but those so many places I think are getting less and less as these acquisitions happen, where the top, there are much fewer tops now than there used to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the thing that gets me, and i guess i understand how it goes on the flip side but the fact that the video games video games industry is more successful than it's ever been right like we've seen more money we've seen more money generated by video games than ever before especially like going into the pandemic and seeing people have to stay home and seeing more people gain an interest like video games are making money and it was especially apparent to me when uh, last week i keep going back to me looking up the numbers for street fighter 4 and street fighter 5 and like trying to figure out where it stands in the fighting game ecosystem and seeing that we went from 3.5 million of Street Fighter 4 being sold for PlayStation 3, and that is between Ultra and OG, the OG versions, to then 7 million being sold for Street Fighter 5, right? In that game... A game that we talk about as a failure. As a failure, right? For the franchise, like... And them now targeting 10 million, mm-hmm. and they're probably going to go that over 10 million, right? Yeah. Tekken, this is the same thing of Tekken, was th- like 3.5 three million, and it was 10 million by the time we got to the end of last year. That's multiple times as big as it was in, in the ps3 era and you can apply that to pretty much any big video game franchise of you look at these iterations and we're seeing like twice the amount being sold right these games are ballooning in a way where like there's so much money being made how is that money not funneling down i guess i in the 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 thing on the flip side i Guess I understand is that development costs are getting more and more. And the thing is the money is funneling down.
0: It's just there's only so much money to go around and that money is going to go where people need it to and then where they want it to mm. before where it could. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they need it for just the pure development costs for the thing to actually even happen. Then the top's trying to pocket it. They're thinking about those before they're thinking about, all right, cool. How can we then sustain and cr- all, the, all the extra stuff? You know what I mean? Creating a good workplace, creating somewhere people are going to want to work on the next project and want mm-hmm. to come up with the next big idea that's going to potentially make even more and all that. If you don't foster that, if you don't actually put your money where your mouth is with that, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's where we're, we're stuck at at this point, I think, with so many of these games coming out. Mind you, not even working. Yeah. <laughs> How many of these big games come out and they just are broken in so many different ways that it's, like, it's just unsustainable at the level we're at and no, like not nobody but very few are stopping to be like hey that's a problem like no just keep going just keep going just keep going
1: yeah it's scary man it's scary that like we can get a cyberpunk 2077 right and that game come out the way the, the way it did right where it's buggy like it has all these problems at launch right but like that was a game that had so much money to put into it, and that's a game that is coming off of a different game that made so much money right like i don't know man the video game industry scares me a lot of the time just based on how this shit goes
0: the thing is not everything is equal and it balances out in a way and the way that kind of funny works we talk about this a lot it's like because we have our consistent core shows that we do Mm -hmm. that i we can rely on that we know how many views we're going to get we know how to monetize them in in a way that is like keeps us in control it allows us to do other things that we know aren't necessarily going to make the money but that's not the point the point is Fostering creativity and doing what we want to do, doing the other stuff to then be able to get to do the stuff we like. And I feel when we look at movies, um, the horror genre, I think, is a great example. We're having a great moment in horror right now mm-hmm. where we've had some absolute classics coming out the last couple of years. And I think that uh, when we look at A24, when we look at what they've done um, with uh, the Blumhouse and um, James Wan's production studio and the combined version now, like, there is a understanding that, like, hey, horror movies are way cheaper than most movies to make they can potentially have a real high upside for return but now they're like but we also have talent that wants to make these movies not just oh we're making them to make money to be able to make other things it's like no they legitimately are passionate about this we grew up with horror movies want to make this so they put out a movie that's 10 million dollar budget mm-hmm. it makes 150 million all of a sudden megan is a huge fucking hit you talk about an avengers movie a dc movie budget 300 million dollars fast 10 300 million dollars it needs to make a billion dollars to be seen as like, oh, it wasn't a failure. Yeah. That that scale is so, so damn wild. But there are certain movies that come out and say, like, cool, well, it was a $200 million budget. We ended up making $1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, that, that was super worth it. But you need both. You need the small horror things. You need the the big movies. But not every movie can be one or the other. And I think that's where we get caught here is this trying to force these movies, putting – $200, $200 million budget to a horror movie is probably not a good idea because they're rated R. And there's all these different things to, to keep in mind, and that's mm-hmm. why we don't see that. The games industry right now feels like they're making horror movies at a $200 million budget. Yeah. That's, that's the end of this analogy.
1: Okay. Story number six, speaking of making money, MetaQuest 3 is official. It's $499, and it's arriving this autumn. This is Matt Wales at Eurogamer. Following a swirl of reports earlier this year, Meta has made its latest consumer VR headset official. The MetaQuest 3 will launch this autumn, starting at $499.99. Meta describes the MetaQuest 3, uh, which will be fully compatible with the existing MetaQuest 2 library, as the first mainstream headset with high-res color mixed reality. And promises better displays and resolution, greater comfort, a 40% slimmer optic profile, and twice the graphics performance using next-gen Qualcomm chipset. Its mixed reality feature uh, set includes dual 4MP RGB color cameras, a depth sensor for a more accurate representation of your play space, and 10 times more pixels in pass-through compared to Quest 2. Additionally, Meta, Meta has uh, completely redesigned Quest 3's Touch Plus controllers, dropping the outer tracking rings, and adding True Touch haptics. The $499 base version of MetaQuest 3 will feature 128 gigabytes of storage, and Meta says additional storage options will be available at launch. More in the way of specifics are set to be shared during Meta's Connect conference on September 27th. Tim, does MetaQuest 3 do anything for you? Uh, it surprises me. Yeah? I,
0: like- being out of the, the VR space, like, like, I'm interested in the tech of it all, but I feel like I've had my moments of, like, oh, my God, I love Beat Saber. This is so cool. Um, but besides that, we've had a PSVR 2. We've had multiple PSVR 2s in the studio for mm-hmm. a couple months now. And no matter how many times I've been tempted to try it, I still haven't. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I'm not prioritizing that. So um, I feel like that's kind of where my interest in VR ends so i if you told me the meta quest 3 is the one that's already out i would have believed you um but having said that i'm surprised that a 3 is is coming this soon i feel like meta quest kind of is already at a a good place like people seem happy with the the quest they're iterating on it maybe that's just the future of this of like Mm -hmm. it's tech they're on to try to annualize it to some extent or like i don't even know if that's right like when does the quest 2 come out
1: uh, not that long ago, like it wasn't last year, but probably about maybe two years ago. So maybe it is the right time, yeah. you know, as like. P- yeah, I think VR they might two two be trying to hit it every two year cadence is what is what my guess is. Then maybe that makes sense because
0: there is a audience for VR. They're out there, they're especially on the the meta side of things. So if there if there's the demand for it, then yeah, that's great. Keep them happy and keep giving them options to upgrade. But um, yeah, what, what what's your take on it?
1: Cool, like it doesn't it it doesn't blow my skirt up, right? I'm not like going crazy over this, but. It's neat, and yeah, the read I have on it is them trying to at least put these things out at a decent cadence and have them be these more iterations as opposed to big console jumps, right? Like, this is not going to be the PS4 to PS5. I think this is more so good. Them, them putting out at $500, right? When you can get a, a Meta Quest 2, I believe it, $400. I think that's them trying to at least just put out different um uh, jumping in points for people because they mentioned that the Meta Quest 2 games are going to be playable on Meta MetaQuest 3. I also assume that... More VR, as more VR games come out, they're all also going to be playable on Meta Quest Two. I don't see the Meta Quest Two getting abandoned on the software side of things for a while, and so I think this is them just putting out more options and going, "Hey, if you want the really premium option, you should get this." Like I think it's more, it's more I, would, I would compare it almost more to like an iPhone type yeah. situation, except not as annualized, but you get where I'm going with it. I mean, it it's, it's iteration.
0: It is interesting that like the iPhone is numbered, right? I feel like mm-hmm. numbers traditionally scare people when it comes to to tech, and like it creates a weird understanding of. What an upgrade is versus like what is a necessity and all that, and especially on the the console side of things, like VR kind of being in that in between of it is a a, a console, but it's also a just piece of tech by yeah. itself. Um, so I'm interested in the commitment to numbering the quest. You know, yeah. I, I wonder what that does if it's beneficial or not. Like if people are thinking of it more like an iPhone, or if it's going to create confusion uh, for people that are interested of like not knowing, oh, are, are games that are compatible on two compatible on three? How clear are they making that messaging? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm also I'm also excited to see just what the it, how the iterations hit, right? Like them talking about um, the, I mean, them talking about it being sl- uh, like a lot slimmer. I'm down with, because the MetaQuest 2 is already pretty small. Um, I already like the size of that thing, so it being slimmer, I'm all the way down with But then talking about the high-res, color, mixed reality. I have no idea what the fuck that means, to Yeah, <laughs> But yeah. I'm excited to find out. I'm excited to find out what that means. And yeah, better displays and resolution, I'm down for, right? And they said, spe- specifically, 40% slimmer optic profile. I, 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 what does What's I, that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I'm like, excited I'm sure people do that people we need to set, uh, you know.
2: take pictures of our eyes and send them to someone. Just like I'll do cameras. that. I'll do that for you, Barrett. I'll all do my that. eye
1: pictures. I don't know no. if Mark Cerny ever got my ear pictures.
2: Should we yeah, he never hit me back up. Pictures. I did yeah, send him.
1: <laughs> did he check his Twitter DMs? Is, is that it? There's no check marks left on Twitter. Or at least like the verified system has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so maybe that wasn't Mark Cerny I sent that
0: oh, to. Oh, shit. Oh, no. But You're just sending your ear pics out there, Blast? You got to wow. be
1: careful, man. Hey, man. You know better than you know, that. You can, if you, you can find them if you really want to find them. Story number seven, our final news story. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 has been announced. Woo! this is marcus stewart at game informer hot wheels unleashed 2 turbocharged arrives on october 19th and retains the the fun little toy (laughs) wait let me say this again retains the fun little toy car in a big world presentation with new additions under the hood players can now get behind the wheel of motorcycles atvs uh, motorcycles and atvs and the game has over 130 vehicles total at launch Players race across five diverse environments using new skills, double jumping and lateral dashing. Oh, let's go sick. The double lateral jump can be dashing. the lateral dashing. That's I'm, I'm excited about zero stuff. Double jump is very much just rock league. Uh, the double jump can be performed at uh, any time to leap over rivals and obstacles while dashing is great for side swiping nearby opponents or dodging hazards. Milestone touts increased interactivity between vehicles and objects on and off the track and play styles can be customized using perks earned by earning skill points. Modes include a revamped story driven campaign starring four original characters, complete with animated cutscenes. Other challenges include events designed to test players' skills, such as drifting and evading crashes. For online multiplayer, the game supports crossplay, except on Switch, and players can now create friend parties. Local two player split screen also makes a return. The popular creation suite from the first game now features a refined track editor with expanded features and, I never know how to say this word, livery, livery, I'm going to say livery, livery editor update, uh, introducing the sticker editor to create and save custom patterns and shapes. Best of all, all user-generated content will be shareable cross-platform at launch, though it's unclear if any player-made content from the original can be imported into this new game. Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged will be available on PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Get hyped. The thing that sticks out to it, me man. the most here is the revamped story-driven campaign starring oh, yeah. four original characters. I
2: don't need
0: it. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, Yeah, I definitely <laughs> don't Do you need think it. we get
1: Jason Momoa playing a character? I, I hope so. I hope we get stars. I hope
0: so, man. There was a show I loved called NASCAR Racers that came out in the early 2000s. And I loved it, man. It was just four cartoon racers doing their damn thing. Mm. I don't know if they were based on real NASCAR drivers or not,
1: but mm. I
0: believed, you
1: know. I People in chat are giving them. me corrections. Somebody says, it's pronounced live. live Uri. live Uri live Live. You guys got to do, like, more. You got to make it more clear phonetically because he doesn't How read. How clearer can he be? <laughs> live. Live. Okay. It's like live-a-live.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool.
0: Well, exactly. see, that, that's L-I-V-E, though. That, that's confused. L-I-V-E. It's 100% live. You don't pronounce that any other way. <laughs> Library.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God. Cool, it's livery, it's livery. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think this is a, this is a good idea. Um, I'm, a, I'm happy that they saw enough of good reception from the first one it's to put awesome, out the second one. I would never have guessed no way. that we would have gotten a second Hot Wheels yeah. Unleashed. We enjoyed the first one a lot. I didn't play enough of it. Yeah, me neither.
2: Oh, I played so much of that first one. and It will it, be interesting to see what these updates actually uh, do, especially with like being able to jump over uh, other cars and uh, doing a... What was it? La- uh, in air dashing or whatever the hell. Yeah. Lateral. Um, I I wonder how that's all going to feel because while I thought the first one had a good foundation, I think there's still some tune-ups that they could make to make the core gameplay feel a little bit tighter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope that's... In there as well with these new gameplay editions, um, and then yeah, just like the weird, like the yeah four different characters with uh, pre rendered cutscenes and all this stuff. Like I don't need that. Like no, I, nobody, dude, I don't think anybody asked I put for that. Like dozens and dozens of hours into like the single player quote unquote campaign, and it didn't have like a story. It was just like, hey, do these specific races, and they're fun as hell. Um so yeah. I hope we get
1: another a, like a, a story trailer. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> like show up. We'll live react to that. Yeah. Do it. God, yeah, please, please. Do it. Tim. Yeah. Man, I'm so excited for Hollywood's unleashed mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But October nineteenth? October nineteenth is so far away. If I one of those come out to Mama Grab shops today. Where would I look? The official
0: list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday.
1: Mm, Yeah. in Gaming says, don't you mean live react? (laughs) I've I've never been so upset that I didn't make a joke. That was good. (laughs) That was really good. That was good. Out today we got Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection for Switch and PC. Killer Frequency for PS5, Xbox Series X, Quest PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Skatebird for PS4 and PS5, Slayer's X, Terminal Aftermath, Vengeance of the Slayer for PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X, April's Diary for Switch and PC, Battle Talent for PC, Budget Cuts Ultimate for PS5, Driftwood for PC, Homebody for everything, and Tail Quest Defense for PC. New dates for you, No Man's Sky is coming to Mac soon, uh, Front Mission 1 Remake comes to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on June 30th. MetaQuest quest 3 launches this fall uh, like we talked about title milestones 2 launches august 31st 2023 on nintendo switch and then double dragon gaiden rise of the dragon launches july 27th <laughs> july 27th on xbox one and xbox series x ps4 and ps5 switch and pc you can't have two of the same word in your nope, name i'm sorry i'm sorry double dragon you can't be called double dragon rise i mean of it's dragon. in
2: the name right oh uh, cool, okay
1: no you're right you're right
2: quadruple dragon there we Shoot. go also this is a uh, driftwood by the way i just saw Sick. uh a friend uh, tweet about this it looks super fun you guys
0: Damn. ever play initial d back in the day no oh man was that like n64 or was it initial d on? No, it was an ar- that was arcade man
1: what's up deal of the day for you PlayStation Plus monthly games for June 2023 have been announced you're getting NBA 2K23 Jurassic World Evolution 2 and Trek to Yomi <laughs> what a random month
0: so initial D-Bless was this like mm-hmm. uh, anime influenced racing game uh, very thrifty, really like a, a very fun DDR type music mm-hmm. and uh, it'd be an arcade game and you can go and you can get print out like a, a license essentially like a, a card mm-hmm. and then you can take that card with you to like save your progress
1: oh that's really cool
0: and like race people and update your stats and stuff
1: shoot but. that's a really good idea there. yeah it was dope as hell man uh and then tell me why is free on steam and xbox to celebrate pride month tell me why i would sing the rest but i don't want to get it as copyrighted yeah yeah they see my singing voices beautiful crooner too good uh now we got a squad up for you remember you can write into kindoffunny.com slash kfgd to get your squad ups read just like miguel did miguel writes in and says hello kfgd I'm on a mission to try to platinum some Vita games. Currently working on Unit 13. I am missing the last trophy, which is for multiplayer. I just need to play one game together. Message me if you can help. I am free in the mornings. Thank you. If you want to add Miguel on PlayStation to play some Vita games with Miguel, you can add them with the username SoulBlaster59. Sick. Sick. SoulBlaster59. I'm going to blast your soul. Oh, man. Remember Mortal Kombat. <laughs> i'm gonna say he's sucking his soul he's sucking his soul <laughs> out god let's watch that movie again uh now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong rewrite in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so you can correct it for those watching later and on youtube and listening later on podcast services around the globe uh, oh interesting interesting interesting
0: the chat's telling me that uh initial d actually was an anime
1: i've not watched it that's cool Pixelated Soul says the sales number for iteration, for all iterations of Street Fighter 4 is actually 9.7 million. 3.4 is the total sales for the base version of SF4. This is according to sales data on Wikipedia on the Wikipedia page. I feel like I looked at the same sales data and said something different, but I'll look into it later. Uh, Tyler Ross says MetaQuest 2 was released October 13th, 2020, uh, so there will have been three years okay. between the two and the three release.
0: That, that sounds actually a lot more right than i'd i'd say but still calling it the three i feel like that, yeah i don't know we'll see
1: uh and that's it be the speed boy is that the initial B theme song? The
0: initial D song yeah
1: wow damn that really had an impact on you it did wow it did i played the mario kart arcade game uh-huh. recently yeah i like it it's cool. I, it's cool. Like, the camera's I, a little weird. The camera's super I get weird. Off. Yeah, but like I also I, I I like the gimmick of it, right? Mm-hmm. Them taking your picture, the pictures of your homies, and you all see each other in the game. I think that's pretty neat. Tim, mm-hmm. that's it for you. Wrong. Tomorrow's hosts are going to be me and you, but you're oh. going to be in this chair. I'm going to be in that chair. Wow. Well, yeah, switch Switcheroo. Switcheroo. Uh, if you're watching this live only on YouTube in the live stream, there's going to be a 30 minute post show where Andy comes in to talk to us KHD hosts about your YouTube super chat questions. So stay tuned for that after the handshake. Remember this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about until next time game daily